What are you doing? What are you doing with your life? Are you doing what God has created you for? Or are you doing your own thing the way you want to live your life? These are tough questions. But at one point, we're going to have to ask ourselves, what am I doing with my life? You see, for me, I seem to only ask this question when I was in handcuffs in the back of the squad car and then daily as I sat behind the wall. I would pick up the Bible, I'd read it, and then I'd quote scripture over the phone to whoever would accept the collect call, telling them how God was changing my life, telling them how I was going to be different when I got out this time. I never took to heart that God wanted me and his family and wanted me to help lead others to him. I was only using God as a way of manipulating others to see who was going to be able, uh, who I was going to be able to use as the address I was being released to, to see who was going to take me in, who was going to allow me to use them for their food, their shelter, and their finances. What are you doing with your life? Do you want to live as God created you to live, or do you want to live? in this world, and the dark, and amongst the shadows. What if I told you Christ came so that you could become part of God's family? And when you become part of God's family, you now have a purpose to your life. That question of what is my purpose would now have an answer. The purpose of life is to be the light in your community, in your family, and amongst your peers. It's that simple. We become part of God's family, and we live a life that shows God's love in all that we do. So why do we complicate it? Why do we think that our purpose is to make millions of dollars, to buy fancy houses, to own expensive clothes, and to be covered in shiny things? Let's open our Bibles to John chapter 1 and start at verse 9. Did Bibles get put on the table? No? If you would like a Bible, there's uh, one over there, uh, and uh, we're going to be starting in John uh, chapter 1, verse 9. I will have the scripture on the uh, screen to make it a little bit easier uh, for those that, that need it. So John 1, uh, John chapter 1, verse 9. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. What a better place to start our Christmas message than with this. Our understanding of how the Christmas story actually happened, that is the birth of Jesus, may have been dashed over the last couple weeks. But this is why Jesus came. To be our true light. To be our guide out of the darkness we are living in. To give us life. As we read the Bible, we will see that Christ is referred to as the light of the world several times. This is an interesting phrase. If we think back to the time of Christ, there was no electricity. Light as we know it didn't exist. In fact, the inside of the home was about as dim as a 40-watt light bulb. Most homes would contain several oil lamps. 
they would use olive oil, uh, they would use olive oil because there was an abundance and therefore it was cheap and inexpensive. There was also an oven that would provide a little bit of light, but the oil lamp were the main source of light in every home. Ancient oil uh, ancient lamps were oil uh, uh, I'm sorry, ancient lamps were oval shaped uh, and they were flat on top. They actually had small bowls on one end, and the other end was pinched real tight. You can see it in the picture, which formed a groove to hold the cotton or flax wick. One end of the wick would even float in the olive oil. Some of the lamps had a lid over the bowl, and they were usually all made of clay. Now, this isn't the greatest source of light. So people understood how important light was. When the sun went down, it was dark. And we're talking pitch black. And the worst things always happen in the dark. Stub toes on coffee tables, walking on Legos, and tripping over baby dolls. But seriously, the dark had a lot of fear. We get scared when we can't see what's around us. There would be noises from the wild animals outside their house. Their livestock would be attacked, and you would hear the blood-curdling screams of their animals being devoured. There was theft. There was murder. Just plain evil. Comparing Jesus to light, simply put, was a way for them to understand how he was going to light the way in their life. He was to be the source of light that people living in a dark world we're so desperately in need of. To be in the dark is to be in chaos. To be in the light is to be in peace. The age-old comparison of light versus dark, good versus evil, and peace versus chaos was so perfectly explained with the coming of Jesus. Through his teachings, we're able to know God, have a relationship with him, and live a life that is full of peace and fulfillment. If we look to the Greek translation of this verse, we will actually see that the word for light has two different meanings. The one who is the true light. The word light here is translated as a source of light. Jesus will be our source of light. Who gives light to everyone. The translation of the word light here is to illuminate or enlighten. Jesus was sent to enlighten us on how to live a life of righteousness, a life appealing in the eyes of God. In doing so, he leads us out of the chaos of this world. When kids are afraid of the dark, we get them a nightlight usually something that's in the shape of their favorite character at the time. We plug it into the wall so that it lights up an area of the room. We strategically place it so that the child can see the light while still in bed. This is to be rid of any monsters. But what is it that the kid is really afraid of? It's the chaos of darkness, the unknowing, the scary abyss of the dark room. The nightlight dispels the darkness. The darkness runs from the light, and this brings a peace to the child so they can sleep at night. 
God strategically has placed Jesus in our lives. The scary thing is, we can either go towards the light, or we can keep running from it, hiding in the shadows of the room. John chapter 3, verse 19 through 21 states, And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it, for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see they are doing what God wants. When living in the light, we can now be a light in our community and be a light to others. God has given us the free will of choice. Do we choose to accept Jesus and step into the light, or do we choose to deny Jesus? Following in our scripture, John chapter 1, verses 10 through 11, He came into the very world He created, but the world didn't recognize Him. He came to His own people, and even they rejected Him. In verse 10 and 11, we see that His own people, that would be the Jews, rejected Him. They chose not to recognize Him. Will you choose to recognize Him? The next verse is one of my favorites. This is for the one who chooses to recognize Jesus as Lord and Savior. John chapter 1, verse 12. But to all who believed in Him and accepted Him, He gave the right to become children of God. The true definition of a Christian is spelled out right here. There are two requirements to becoming part of God's family. We must believe in the person of Jesus Christ. We must believe that He is the Word of God. We must believe in the gospel, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. We must believe that He is the King of kings, the Lord of our righteousness, Jesus our Savior. Not Not only must we believe this, We must accept him as this, putting him on the throne of our heart within our own lives. Upon doing so, we get the privilege to be part of God's family. He graces us with the opportunity to become his children. We are by nature children of wrath, children of this world. But through Jesus, we are adopted by God into into his family as his children. In the past, this was only available to the Jew, but now due to Jesus, this adoption is available for both Jew and Gentile, me and you, everyone. I read this great phrase I wanted to share with you. The Son of God becomes a Son of Man, that the sons and daughters of men might become the sons and daughters of God Almighty. Wow. That was so eloquently said. But it's so basic in the truth. That is what it all boils down to. We become heirs to God Almighty. We can now receive Him as Father, and He loves us as His very own. Paul, when writing to the Galatians, said this, and uh, this is uh, not me, Paul, the the biblical Paul. Uh, In Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 to 7, he says, 
But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law, so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. You will receive all the benefits of being God's children because of what Jesus did for us. We can live as family with God, and now we can be a light in our community. I'm going to share a little personal story. As many of you know, I'm a recovering addict. But not everyone may know that due to my my addiction, the state had taken custody of Chloe when she was two months old. She was taken from my care and put into foster care. Another family raised her from the time she was two months old until just after she turned a year old. During that time, the family, the mom, the dad, and their two kids raised and loved Chloe as if she were their own child. There was no indifference towards Chloe, and the amount of love that this family poured upon her was breathtaking. When I got my my act together and I finished the program, my parenting classes, and I had gotten a place for Chloe to come home to, it was a bittersweet for the family. It was at this point that I saw how much they had, how much love they had for Chloe, and how much love God has for us. God doesn't see us any different because we have lived a life full of sin. When we accept Jesus and draw to God, He sees us just as one of His own children. The beautiful thing is that when we become children of God, we become born again, born of regeneration. Verse 13 from John chapter 1 states, They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. This is not done of our own will, but done by God's grace. Once again, there is nothing we can do to earn or or buy our way into God's family. This is a gift given by God through His Son, Jesus Christ. With it being Christmas in two days, I thought it was important to share this last verse. This is why the birth of Christ is so important. This is the reason for the season. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Hallelujah! We can can trace the story of God making a dwelling among us all through the Old Testament. But it was not until Christ came that we could see, touch, and anyone could interact with God. Let's look at how God revealed himself prior to Jesus. Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. One day, Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, 
the priest of Midian. He led the flock far in the, into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This was, this is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't this bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses. Here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Here we see that Moses has an interaction with God. This is very uncommon. People were fearful of God due to the feeling of being unrighteous enough to be in his presence. He also sees God in the burning bush. But upon being told by God that Moses is in the presence of God, Moses becomes afraid to look at God and he hides his face. We're going to go on to Exodus chapter 13 verses 19 to 22. Sorry. Did I go too far? Can you get me back to uh, Exodus chapter 13, verses 19 through 22, Roger? Uh, okay. 20 to 22, I'm sorry. Uh, the Israelites left Sukkoth and camped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. The Lord went ahead of them. He guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud. And he provided light at night with a pillar of fire. This allowed them to travel by day or by night. And the Lord did not remove the pillar of cloud or pillar of fire from his place in front of the people. It is key to understand that when we see Lord, L-O-R-D, all capitalized in the Old Testament, the Hebrews translation is for God. The Jews believed that God's name was so holy that we, weren't, that we were not even to say his name. So God went ahead of them, guiding them with a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. Here we see God, but still are not allowed to touch or interact with him. He is our guide through the wilderness. The last example from the Old Testament is 2 Samuel chapter 6, verses 1-7. to then David gathered, again gathered all the elite troops in Israel, 30,000 in all. He led them to Bala of Judah to bring back the Ark of God, which bears the name of the Lord of Heaven's armies, who is enthroned between the cherubim. They placed the Ark of God on a new cart and brought it from Abinadab's house, which was on a hill. Uzzah and Ahio Abinadab's sons were guiding the cart that carried the Ark of God. Ahio walked in front of the Ark. David and all the people of Israel were celebrating before the Lord, 
singing songs and playing all kinds of musical instruments, lyres, harps, tambourines, castanets, and cymbals. But when they arrived at the threshing floor of Nakan, the oxen stumbled. And Uzzah reached out his hand and steadied the ark of God. Then the Lord's anger was aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him dead because of this. So Uzzah died right there beside the ark of God. Here, even touching something that the presence of God was in would result in death. God was too holy, and we were never holy enough, till God came in the flesh as a human. I wanted you to see all this to understand that God was not able to be seen, touched, and only certain people could interact with him before the new covenant that was made with Jesus. Now we're going to look at the New Testament with the coming of Jesus. With the coming of Jesus, we're able to touch God and be and be healed. Luke chapter 8 verses 43 to 48. A woman in the crowd has suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding, and she could find no cure. Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe. Immediately, the bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. Everyone denied it. And Peter said, Master, this whole crowd is pressing up against you. But Jesus said, Someone deliberately touched me, for I felt healing power go out from me. When the woman realized that she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble and fell to her knees in front of him. Yes. The whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him and that she had been immediately healed. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. With the coming of Jesus, we're able to see God and not hide our face. John chapter 14, verse 9. Jesus replied, I have been with you all this time, all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am. Anyone who has seen, seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? With the coming of Jesus, now anyone can interact with God, not just the high priest or a prophet, but even children. Yes. I would love to put you there. Okay, you watch me right there. Sorry. Uh, Mark chapter... Mark chapter 10, verse 13 to 16. One day, some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. When Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry with his disciples. He said to them, Let the children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth. Anyone who does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Then he, looked, then he took the children in his arms and placed his hands on their heads and blessed them. 
This is the reason for the season. Jesus came to the world as the light to enlighten us. Through him, we have been adopted into God's family. And through his living among us, it has been made possible to see, touch, and, e- and everyone can interact with God. We can interact as a family. And being part of his family, he asked that we allow the light to shine through us, being a light to the dark world we live in. 1 Timothy 3.16 Without question, this is the great mystery of our faith. Christ was revealed in a human body and vindicated by the Spirit. He was seen by angels and announced to the nations. He was believed in throughout the world and taken to heaven in glory. Thank you, God, for sending Jesus to give us life. He came to give this life we live a purpose. And that purpose is to shine your light bright throughout your community. At this time, I would like to invite anyone who has had God touch their heart today to come to the altar. The lieutenant is here and would love to pray with you in accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Come and be part of God's family. You have been lost and wandering for far too long. Come and find rest in his pasture. Come to the altar and receive forgiveness. Walk out of here today with a renewed heart, with a light. <laughs> yes. I'm about to pray and I'll be done. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry. Walk out of here today with a renewed heart. (laughs) There you go, baby. All right. (laughs) That's one heck of an altar call right there. Uh, Walk out of here today with a renewed heart, with a light shining from you no man can put out. Leave here today and go be that light in your family and in your community, showing the world what the love of God looks like. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for sending your son so that we can become part of your family. And uh, as we become part of your family, let the light that starts to, to, to shine in us shine bright through our community shine bright through us, attracting others to us so that we can tell them about you. Heavenly Father, uh, I ask that you be with each and every one of us as we uh, depart from here today and as we go about our, the rest of our Christmas season, uh, that you be with us and that you help us uh, through the pain of the, the loss of uh, our loved ones and through the uh, joy and the happiness of spending time with the ones that are still here. Heavenly Father, uh, I just ask that uh, you be with us each and every day and that um, and that you be a, a light to someone in this room today, that they can be a light in the community among them. Heavenly Father, we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.